Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. On this episode, we are redrafting the 2021 NFL Draft. I know what you might be saying. It's too soon for that. Nonsense. It's never too soon. We're taking a look at the rookie years that were from some of the best players from the 2021 class and we're redrafting them appropriately same order but we're looking at a little bit of a revisionist history we're taking into account some of what we know now which of course it's going to be a little bit of hindsight but it's a fun exercise to see what could have been for the 2021 NFL draft I am Trevor Sycamore with me as always is my co-host Connor Rogers let's get after it What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the opening bell of the NFL Stock Exchange Podcast. I am Trevor Sycamore. With me is Connor Rogers, fresh off the Los Angeles Rams being crowned champions of the football world over the Cincinnati Bengals by a score of 23 to 20. Connor, we we can't dive too deep into this matchup because we've got a very fun, extensive exercise here on this podcast that I want to get to as soon as possible. But I wanted to give you the chance to get off a, I don't know, a take, a takeaway, something that you saw or are going to remember from this Super Bowl going into the offseason and beyond what was your big takeaway here from that big game I think for me Trevor as we sit here every week three times a week and talk about team building team building team building for me it's just that at the end of the day you can only get away with not having an offensive line for so long in a deep playoff run the pass rush grim reaper will come for you eventually and today it was Aaron Donald it was Von Miller it was the cast of characters in the Rams and you know, I looked at it and and was and it stinks that you know obviously the Bengals couldn't win a Super Bowl and all of that, but you look at it and you see some of the punishment that Joe Burrow is taking yet again, yes. and you just sit there and you become so concerned about the the sustainability in the long term. So for me, as I sit here and go, at the end of the day, you can you could sneak out a win, a big win or two or three here, uh, without an offensive line, but for the full sustainability of a season and a franchise going forward. It's just a group that you can't ignore. I'm not going to fully get into the Chase versus Sewell debates. We're not going to open up that can of worms. No, and that's not what that's of, about. Of this yeah. No, 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 no. I, I know, yeah, I know. You're but right. I, I was you're just, right. I was just saying, I wasn't about to open up the, the <laughs> no. door to that because we could do a whole podcast on that. Uh, actually, we kind of a, a little oh, kind of are on, on this, on this <laughs> episode. But, you know, I'm, I'm totally with you. I said this on Twitter after the game. The blueprint for the Kansas or for the Cincinnati Bengals needs to be what the Kansas City Chiefs did last offseason. Just yep. aggressively overhaul that offensive line however you possibly can, because you are right. It eventually comes for you. My big takeaway, I, I, I was rooting for the Bengals to win. I was, but 
don't think that doesn't make me any less happy that Aaron Donald gets a ring. Andrew Whitworth gets a ring. Odell Beckham gets a ring. Matthew Stafford gets a monkey off of his back a little bit here with all the pressure on him there, especially with the magnitude of that kind of trade that got him to LA. Sean McVay gets a ring, man. And it just a lot of guys on that team, man, finally getting championship rings. I, I'm so happy for Aaron Donald. There were rumors of him maybe hanging it up after this game if he won a Super Bowl. So we'll see what ends up happening with that. But, dude, if Andrew, if if Aaron Donald retired tomorrow, first ballot Hall of Famer. Like, he's got the ring now. He's a Super Bowl champion. He's had one of the most unbelievable stretches of a career since he came in the league in 2014. Like, I, I just... There's been no more dominant player on the on the planet. And now he's got the hardware, if you will, in the form of a Super Bowl ring. I'm very happy that nobody gets to go, yeah, but he never won a ring when talking about Aaron Donald. We just get to appreciate him as much as possible. I think you're right. I think what's so cool about this Super Bowl to me is, and Cooper Cup takes home the MVP, but the, in my opinion, this could have easily been a co-MVP between Donald and Cup, and they are outliers that became superstars. And I know for Donald, yes, he was a first-round pick. You know, he went 12th overall that year to the Rams, but there was a lot of discussion about him. I think if he doesn't go 12th to the Rams, he waits a really long time for his name to be called. Uh, I've talked to people that were in the draft room that year with the Rams, and it was a nasty fight over being able to take him because he was 6'1". He was a different kind of guy. Obviously, Cooper Cup, not a first-round pick, not a second-round pick. Really no offers coming out of high school. Uh, so these guys are superstars in the Super Bowl, and the road to get there was very windy, very bumpy. So it's you're so grateful to watch all of that work and that long road pay off for them. Can you imagine somebody being on the other side of that argument? Now they have to be like, oh, I almost wonder our team did not take the best defensive player on the planet for the last yeah. decade. It's just, yeah, it's real. funny. We, we all have our scouting misses, some of them more glaring than others. And, you know, it's just, it, it's funny when things work out the way that they do. I mean, you could say the same thing about Aaron Rodgers and plenty of those guys, right? So uh, it was, it was, and it was a pretty steady Super Bowl really until those last two minutes and it really just caught fire. The interest is right there. Obviously it was a one score game. Burrow had the ball in his hands to go win it at the end, but you're right. Offensive line, man, it just could not hold up. It came up about one quarter short, right? That is what it felt like. Well, we have an exercise on today's podcast that I am super excited about because I love doing these things. Yes, it's a little bit of hindsight, but what we're doing is we are redrafting the 2021 NFL draft with one full season now in the books. We thought this would be topical. We thought this was the right time to do it. Now, if you want to talk about the perfect time to judge these guys, it's probably year three, right? Connor? Yeah, I mean, like it, for it, it, sure. year three is probably a sweet spot for it, right? It is, and and you're going to hear a lot of it today. You know, there's reasons why some guys stay put, even though they might not have played up to their standard as a rookie, and some guys drastically jump because the thought process of the team building changes, where it's not as much of giving them that three-year window, not giving them that three-year window. So, yeah, traditionally, you do not throw out a scouting report after year one. You do not throw out a scouting report after year two. We are not doing that today, but this is an interesting exercise to see how some teams uh, might have had to maneuver differently if other teams didn't overlook certain players. But it is a cop-out for us, which is the important hey, yes. part, is no matter <laughs> what we are arguing for a player and situation, we always get that little cop-out in our back pocket to talk Absolutely. about how, oh, you got to wait three years, though. Yeah. Don't worry about it. So, you know, that's just, yeah, we're, 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 we're protecting ourselves. We're just being smart here on this podcast. No, but what we're doing is we're taking the draft order from last year exactly as it was. And, of course, 
having a little revisionist history, going back and seeing what played out, what we know about teams now. And it's kind of a combination of where teams are now, where they kind of were then. We're trying to be still realistic with it. But I love these exercises. And I think really it's it's a really fun way to give props to some of the guys yeah. that have played really, really well in their first year. So without further ado, we'll get right to it. But I did want to remind everybody that this podcast is sponsored by Prize Picks. This is your go-to place for all sorts of over-under bets and all kinds of other bets as well. If you've never been to prizepicks.com, go check it out. Go sign up. Use the promo code PFF. And if you do, and you deposit $20 into your account, it's a betting tool, you're going to get a free PFF Edge subscription. So if you don't have a PFF Edge subscription and you are listening to this podcast, you can get one for just 20 bucks by going over to prizepicks.com, uh, using the promo code PFF and throwing $20 there in your account. So go do that if you have not yet. Um, I'm going to pick for the odds. Connor's going to pick for the evens. Well, and there's a good reason for that. <laughs> <laughs> As Connor alluded to on Twitter on Sunday, uh, I originally had... You know, I thought to myself, yeah, well, we did the but when we did the mock draft the week prior, I was like, I started the draft, so uh, so I'll let Connor start the draft this time. And then I realized that the Jets pick number two, and they have a little bit of what you would call a quarterback conundrum in their decision here for this draft. And I texted Connor immediately and I said, Absolutely not, no way. I am not taking the responsibility and the pressure for that. So uh I, I don't know if I don't know if you were just being silent trying to let me get oh. away with that one, but uh, I wasn't letting it happen, pal. One, so Trevor built the rundown for the show, and you know usually him and I <laughs> alternate, and he wrote in there Trevor Evans Connor odds, and I was like, I looked at, it, I was like, great, like this is awesome, like I don't have to answer for the Jets at two, I don't have to deal with any of the backlash, I don't have to deal with any of the discourse, like. He's just going to make the pick. It's going to be his mentions. I'm not going to answer any of them because that's going to be his decision. And he texts me right away. He goes, no, 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 no. I just realized this. I'm not doing this. You're doing this. And I was like, all right, you got me. <laughs> you would have tweeted out the podcast and just muted 100%. the thread immediately. Just immediately. 100%. Not even, didn't even look. You wouldn't even look at the first. It would have mention. been no Twitter Monday for me. No Twitter Monday. <laughs> like as soon as I tweet out the pod at like nine or 10, I wouldn't have logged back on until like 10 o'clock at night. And we I wouldn't are, have, yeah. We Let's are see. picking, you are picking for the Jets at two. I'm picking for the Jacksonville Jaguars at number one. So, obviously, what we just recapped, what we're doing this is the 2021 NFL draft, and we're kind of doing a little bit of hindsight in who they would have picked here. I'm still picking Trevor Lawrence. I get it. He didn't have the best year. He is not above criticism at all whatsoever. But you got to understand, this was a dumpster fire that is even impressive for dumpster fires in the NFL mm -hmm. with what happened with urban Meyer over the last calendar year in Jacksonville, Trevor Lawrence struggled, but he struggled in the ways that we kind of believed that he was going to coming from the offense that he was at in Clemson. And just none of it really got better because there was no reason for it to get better. He had no wide receivers. The offensive line was mid the coaching staff was absolutely terrible, right? The run game. I mean, shoot his best running back, his head coach wouldn't even put on the field. So it's hard to think that Trevor Lawrence would have looked any better in his current situation. So I'm still sticking with him as the number one overall pick, even in this redraft that puts you up at number two with the jets. Yeah, and I I would have done the same thing if I were you. Just to be clear, I think important you know discussion point of this exercise is some of these guys had bad rookie seasons, and it's it is tough to stand up here and go I'm gonna make this pick anyway because I still believe in what I thought of him pre-draft. But I think Lawrence is one of those guys, and I'm gonna be honest here. It's the same for me with Zach Wilson, and the mm. only debate here at two 
is the same one you could have had pre-draft, Justin Fields or Zach Wilson. I really don't see any other debate here. Yes, Micah Parsons, Jamar Chase, Kyle Pitts, like they're all way, way better players, and that's the way it goes. But the Jets in Jacksonville have to take a quarterback at one and two here because they're they're not going to be a destination for a veteran, right? So you can't kick the can down the road and take a BPA and say, "I'll we'll trade for Rodgers, we'll trade for Russ. Like, it's just you're not going to be able to do that. And here's the big one, Trevor. This quarterback class this year, it stinks. I mean, I don't know what else to right. say. Like, right. maybe some guys do develop, but right now, it's hard to justify somebody going in the first round. Like, Malik Willis off of traits, Kenny Pickett off of floor. I get that. But this is not a class you want to be a part of. And it's not a class you want to be a part of if you're a team that needs a hero. And the and the Jaguars and the Jets, to an extent, early on, needed a hero. So yep. I roll with Zach Wilson, and, I'll, and I know some people will say you're absolutely insane. Uh, here's my my points. One, I still believe he could be a good quarterback, and I really, as a, like my scouting report on him, I still believe in it. He did come back from the knee injury week 12 and, you know, finished with 10 total touchdowns and three picks, right? And some of those were rushing, but that's, that's really, that's a good start in my opinion. So mm-hmm. I think when you look at it like that, uh, he didn't throw an interception his last five games. So things got better. Things did slow down for him, even without Elijah Moore and Corey Davis during that time. So he was out without his receivers. So I think that is it like, am I up here? Like Zach Wilson's a guaranteed lock or Justin Fields is a guaranteed lock or any of these guys. Like, no, there's a lot of projection here. There's a lot of risk, but at least when he did come back from injury, you saw the arrow start to point up. Now the jets need to put a better football team around him. So hopefully he can take those next steps and be a franchise quarterback. And, we repeated both of the pick, first picks in this draft. There's not going to be a lot of repeats in this redraft. No, 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 there really aren't. Starting with number three, and 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 just to kind of comment on that, I probably would have picked Justin Fields in this situation. I had Zach Wilson and Justin Fields kind of like right there. In, Me too. In my big it's board. tough. So it was, it was close. I was more encouraged, obviously, from what I saw with Justin Fields than what I saw with Zach Wilson, but I'm in no way giving up on Zach Wilson. I understand the argument with you holding on to him at number two. It makes sense. So it it, it, it was going to come down to it's basically like one of these two dudes, and you're sticking with Zach was Wilson. It. I probably would have gone with Justin Fields, but it's not like I think it's absolutely egregious um, throwing Zach Wilson at the – or and not throwing Zach Wilson at the – Who curve. knows if Fields didn't get hurt again at the end of the year? Like if Fields didn't get hurt and, and – had the same performance Wilson had or better, then it's like, okay, I would have rolled with Fields. So there's just so many unknowns with these guys, right, with both right. of them missing kind of significant time a little bit throughout the year. So San Francisco 49ers up here at number three, and I said there wasn't going to be... Fun. Yeah, I, there, I said that there weren't going to be any repeats, and there's not. Um, your point about the quarterback class this year not being great is true, but it doesn't really go into why I picked who I'm picking here at number three. I'm picking Kyle Pitts, the tight end out of Florida, simply because I'm absolutely mad with this idea of Kyle Pitts, George Kittle, Devo Samuel all being in the same offense. Right? It's insane. Who do you and now I thought about Jamar Chase here as well because obviously Jamar Chase, unbelievable season, offensive rookie of the year, could have also been there. But what made Jamar Chase so great, I do think, is the chemistry that he had with Joe Burrow and how fearless Joe Burrow was throwing him the football and how accurately he could time throws up to Jamar Chase even when he was covered. I don't think Jimmy Grapple is that same kind of quarterback. Instead, you get a guy like Pitts who is just, we've said this before, we've used this word alien with him, a unicorn, if you will. That's what Dan Mullen used to say. 
and I just I feel as though that's the even better offensive weapon pick for Jimmy Garoppolo. So we're getting a little weird here. I'm picking Kyle Pitts. He had a 1,000 yard season this past year. Getting Pitts, George Kittle, Debo Samuel in the same offense. If you thought just George Kittle and Debo Samuel was tough to handle from a matchup perspective, you throw Kyle Pitts in there. There's not one team in the NFL that can properly handle you for an entire game. There's just no way it's possible. So getting a little fun. Kyle Pitts at three for the 49ers. I think this one's awesome, and, and it, I would have gone with a similar strategy as you. You wanted them to overload offense with Pitts, Debo, and Kittle. I would have went with the to see the duo of Micah Parsons and Nick Bosa rush the passer, oh, and or right, like either or, way, or Micah Parsons standing next to Fred Warner. It's it's, insane. One, it's one of the two. It's insane. So the Niners and, and you and I, I know both like Trey Lance a lot, but they could have won a Super Bowl this year, and an impact pick like a Pitts like a Chase, like a Parsons. It's just nuts to think about. And that's the fun of this exercise. We are using, you know, we're, we're basically using a time machine in a sense with this. Right. So with four, with the Falcons, they, as much people are like, oh no, Pitts is gone. Well, you get Jamar Chase here at four. And obviously what went on with Calvin Ridley this year, you know, was unfortunate. We hope he's okay. I uh, he stepped away from mental health reasons, I think October 31st. And there hasn't been much sense, to be honest with you. Mm -hmm. So the future of the Falcons receiver room is, is very grim right now. You traded Julio Jones. I, I do not think Calvin Ridley is in their future. Just being honest, I, yeah, I would put him getting traded like at 90% this off season. Uh, so this would give you a true number one, a guy that I think is going to be a top five receiver in the NFL for the next decade. I think he could be the best receiver in the NFL. You obviously have cup and Debo as well. He could be the best wide receiver in the AFC and it, it extends the productivity of Matt Ryan a little longer as well. So Jamar Chase at four, this is just a, a no-brainer, absolute no-brainer. No Kyle Pitts, no Jamar Chase for the Bengals on the board here at number five. And where there was all the Jamar Chase, Penny Sewell debates, <laughs> I'm not going with Penny Sewell even with Jamar Chase off the board. I'm going with Rayshon Slater. And these were two guys who I think were very back and forth on a lot of big boards and where I think the Penny Sewell played well, like, I think he played fine early on. I think that he, he was even playing really well. Rayshon Slater just played unbelievable in his rookie season. They, they threw this guy in, and what's impressed me so much is that Slater played as well as he did. And remember, Slater opted out of the 2020 season. Nuts. Like, this dude hadn't played football in so long. And he just, you plopped him in the NFL, and all of a sudden, boom, one of the best young tackles in the game. Like, he had a Tristan Wirfs kind of year where he was just able to start right away and be absolutely fantastic. So uh, that's why I would be going Rayshon Slater here for the Cincinnati Bengals. And, I mean, if we're going to be honest, without Jamar Chase, they're not making the Super Bowl. So I, I don't think that this improves the Cincinnati Bengals. But it does improve what you talked about at the top of the show, getting that offensive line better. They can get the offensive weapons a little bit later. So I'll go Rayshon Slater here at five for the Bengals. Yeah, quietly one of the best uh, rookies in the entire NFL this year. So there, there's just no way to argue with that pick in that spot. He would go in and be plug-and-play for the Bengals for a long time and help out Joe Burrow. So number six, the Miami Dolphins. They took Jalen Waddell in this spot. Jalen Waddell is still on the board. I'm not going to take Jalen Waddell here as much as I, I love the player. Micah Parsons is still on the board, the That's defensive the rookie of the year. Gotta be. That's the pick. You get Micah Parsons, you get an absolute freakish stud. You got... One of the best outside corner duos in the league, uh, obviously, Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. You put Micah Parsons up front or in the middle of the field, this defense would just be 
uh, unbelievable because we know they got Javon Holland in the second round as well. So I, I think this one is finally where Micah Parsons comes off the board. I, I thought he was the best defensive player in the draft last year. Uh, he fell to Dallas, and Dallas ended up with an absolute haul. The people might uh, might give you a little flack for not picking Penny Sewell, and I get it just because Dolphins fans have been burned all year long with yeah. the worst offensive line. But this is Micah Parsons. Like Parsons has been unbelievable. Like if Parsons isn't on the board, I think you probably pretty clearly make the Penny Sewell pick unless you're sure. looking at uh, quarterback, I guess. But like Parsons was just a crazy next level. And so I I'm still with you. I think that I'd be picking Parsons here as well, even with Penny Sewell on the board as crazy as that, uh, well, as that might sound. I avoid quarterback in this spot because, uh, listen, to a – is a long shot of being a future top 12 starter. But Mike McDaniel is going to have a shot to see what he can get out of Tua. If that fails, you go back to the quarterback well in what looks like a pretty good group in 2023. Sure. And, and then you have Micah Parsons, who could be one of the best defensive players in football for a long time. Yes. So I'm just not overthinking this one here, Trevor. Yeah. I think that's the point. No, and it makes sense. It totally makes sense. Detroit Lions are up at number seven. They took Penny Stool. Penny Stool is still on the board. I'm not taking Penny Stool for them. I'm taking Justin Fields. And they had the opportunity to take Justin Fields on draft day, and they did not, which I think is, like I said, worked out fine. Like, Penny Stool has been good. He's been a good player for yeah. them. But certainly looking at this year's quarterback class, it's not great. And so you you would rather, even, even if what you just said, you can look forward a little bit further to 2023. You've got guys like Tyler Van Dyke, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud, uh, Spencer Rattler, potentially, right? Like there's, a, there's a lot of guys that you can, again, get intrigued with, but the grass is always greener. And instead I've already seen how talented Justin Fields can be on an NFL team. So I'd be picking Justin Fields and I get it. You're paying Jared Goff, no matter what, but like, you're not going to be good with Jared Goff. Jared Goff has clearly already showed you his ceiling in the NFL and probably in Detroit. So they would be like, if, if they weren't already starting Justin Fields at some point last year, if they drafted him, they'd certainly be starting Justin Fields going into this season, which would be a better setup than they have right now. I don't think any question about it. So I would be picking Justin Fields here for the, uh, for the Detroit lions at number seven. And that puts you on the clock with Carolina at number eight. Yeah, so number eight here, uh, J.C. Horn was a really, really good pick, and before he got hurt, he was awesome. And it's hard not to take J.C. Horn here, but this is a franchise that needs to end this endless cycle of wandering around in the quarterback loom. The Sam Darnold trade was a massive bust. You signed Cam Newton back, it didn't work out. You know, P.J. Walker was a long shot, a, a fun story, but he's a backup. Mm -hmm. I I'm going to take Mac Jones here. I just think Mac Jones... And if they did take Mac Jones, I actually thought he would have flourished under Joe Brady. You look at it, the way he plays, the way he gets the ball out, the timing with DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, Robbie Anderson. Uh, they could have they could have done some really good things with Mac Jones and Joe Brady, and then they'd be going into this draft looking to you know at six or wherever they'd be picking to to get that franchise left tackle. Then you have a foundation on offense, a long term play caller. I think everything would have worked out much better in the Matt Rule era, but unfortunately, there's no going back. Yeah, they could have a do-over. I feel like they would. For as good as J.C. Horn has been, I think that that is the that yeah. is the right choice there. Denver Broncos at number nine. Now, I talked about how much I liked the Denver Broncos draft last year, and it started at the very top with Patrick Sertan. 
if they had a quarterback option here, I think it'd be taking them, but they're all off the board other than Trey Lance. And so I could pick Trey Lance here, but I ultimately think that even with hindsight, Connor, they want Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. They yeah. want a good veteran that they can plop onto this team. And so I'm not going to pick Trey Lance. And I'm instead going to stick with the Patrick Sertan pick. So this one's actually a one for one. There's not many. You mentioned it. There's not many that we have in this no. draft, but this is a one for one. I think Patrick Sertan has been unbelievable. I think he showed flashes and even just consistency. I think we say flashes and that's maybe a little bit of insult as to just how often Patrick Sertan was good. He was straight up a starting NFL corner as a rookie, which is one of the toughest things that you could possibly do. I think that was super impressive. He warrants being the selection again here at nine. I think he's going to be a damn good corner for years and years. So I'm keeping this pick the same because even with hindsight, I think they're going for a veteran quarterback. So I'm not going to take one here. I agree with you. If they get Rodgers or Russ, they look great because Sertain is phenomenal. So when you factor that in, you you never want to move a team's pick when they it was a smash hit, the pick. And Mm -hmm. this to me was a smash hit. And Fields isn't the, the upside of Fields, Wilson, or Lawrence is not available here. So you just you don't do that. So the the Broncos, we have, we know they have a couple interesting weeks or months ahead of them. Uh, but as it stands right now, I'm I'm with you. So ten the Eagles, they took Devontae Smith, wide receiver, Alabama. I'm gonna go wide receiver, Alabama. Jalen Waddle, uh, Waddle still spot. here. Yep. So I mean, my pre-draft rankings weren't different. It was Chase Waddle than Smith. I think the Eagles just need speed, Trevor. I look at this offense and I go. They need somebody that can win down the field. I know people have questions if that's what Jalen Hurts can flourish with, throwing vertically, but the threat of that can open up such a dynamic run game where I think they go into this draft and hope Jamison Williams is there or maybe Jahan Dotson is there. Alabe can win down the field. I think they go into this draft wishing they had gotten speed. Nothing against Devontae Smith. He's a really nice player. Jalen Waddle at ten. He's just he is way too explosive. He was very impressive with with Tua this year. Uh, so I like the the Alabama swap in this spot. No, it makes sense. My my wide receiver rankings going into last year, admittedly, were I had Jalen Waddle at number one. I had him eking out over Jamar Chase, and then I had Devonte Smith at great three. prospect. All three guys, though, I think were really nice. And I, I certainly would have loved to see Jalen Waddle in this offense with Jalen Hurts. I feel like they would have manufactured him more touches. Yep. I, no, and that's nothing against Devontae Smith. Like, when they finally kind of decided to go to Devontae Smith, he often very much delivered for them. So it's not really a knock on Smith at all. I just think that definitely that speed of what the Eagles were really missing that they thought they kind of still might have had in Jalen Rager, you replace that with Jalen Waddle and uh, – yeah, you're uh, you're in business at that point. So top 10, a little recap of what we have for the top 10 of this redraft of the 2021 NFL draft. Jaguars and Jets stayed the same. Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson. I switched it up for the Niners at three. Went Kyle Pitts. Jamar Chase went four to the Falcons. Five, Rayshon Slater to the Bengals. Six, Michael Parsons to the Dolphins. Seven, Detroit Lions. I gave him Justin Fields. And then Connor gave Mac Jones to the Carolina Panthers at eight. Patrick Sertan at number nine. And then Jalen Waddell at number 10. Before we hit number 11, got to read everybody's favorite ad read. Roses are red, violets are blue. Don't let a wild pube wreck you. That's right. I said it. Valentine's Day is just around the corner. And our sponsors at Manscaped are here for you with the best tools to get your balls ready for the special occasion. This V-Day, it's time to join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped 
the leader in below the waist grooming with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com. Use the promo code PFF for 20% off plus free shipping. The holidays, they went by so quickly as you were getting the other packages ready. Do you remember to take care of your own package with the best tools for the job? The Performance Package 4.0 from Manscaped is just the thing that every guy needs in their life to make each day a little more special. Get 20% off and free shipping with the promo code PFF at manscaped.com. That's 20% off free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the promo code PFF. Join Cupid and shoot your arrow with Manscaped this Valentine's Day. I couldn't do the commander line, Connor. No, I couldn't okay. do it. Couldn't it's do okay. it. I kind of want it to never happen so we could just keep saying it. It's just, it's just a bit on the podcast that just goes forever. <laughs> Next year, take We're Mandy around. Still... <laughs> We're not even doing Manscaped reads anymore. We're just saying it. Oh, uh, yeah. That's what this podcast definitely needs. We it, Obviously, it's a brand new podcast, and so we need to establish those bits. bits. They're just gonna, but they're the ones that are just gonna live on forever. So maybe that'll end up being one of them. Uh, it's the only reason got, I podcast. I don't podcast like for informational purposes. I just want to create bits, just for the bits. That's <laughs> hey, look, that's a that's a good hustle if you can get it. Chicago Bears are at number eleven here. Obviously, they traded up uh, to go get Justin Fields. He is not here, but Trey Lance is. Certainly, looking at the quarterback class that we have right now. If the Chicago Bears didn't go up and get a quarterback, then they'd be screwed, right? Especially with the situation that they have. So I'm still going to give him Trey Lance. We didn't really see much of Trey Lance at all this year, but still a really good prospect. I still think that he would make a lot of sense even with Chicago, even if the current regime were, I guess I got to say now, the former regime would have failed and they get these new guys here. The Trey Lance still would have been a good pick. So I'm still sticking with quarterback at number 11 for the Bears, and I'm going to give him Trey Lance. I like that thought process a lot. I think that the Bears did the right thing by getting up to 11. They took a quarterback in fields that, you know, wasn't as developmental as Lance, even though Lance went ahead of him. They could still afford to take a Lance because you had Dalton there. You had Foles there. You could let him catch up on his own timeline. So, all right, number 12, the Dallas Cowboys. Now, they obviously end up in a tougher situation than they were in because they don't get the defensive rookie of the year and Micah Parsons. He's off the board already uh, sorry that at, sorry cowboys fans that you don't get yeah. defense player of the year at the or defense brigade of the year at number 12 sorry yeah yeah you don't look out again and this isn't reality though so you're safe so i'll go penny sewell here they had an interesting situation where a uh historically praised offensive line finally hit a bit of a wall a little bit of aging right you have tyron smith on the left side that's been beat up before you have lyle collins with a bizarre suspension kind of season uh at times Left guard has become this rotating door. So if you took Sewell at 12 in this spot, he could be your tackle of the future. He could play left guard for you next year at a high yeah. level. Uh, so for the Cowboys, this is actually the good consolation considering Parsons <laughs> is gone. He gets Sewell at 12, which is crazy. I said I said with a little sarcasm in my voice, sorry, you don't get defensive rookie yeah. of the year at 12, but instead you get Penny Sewell at number 12. So uh, actually, it really ain't that bad. So congrats, Cowboys. You won in the real 2021 NFL draft, and you're winning again here one. in the redraft on this podcast. Uh, we got the Los Angeles Chargers up at number 13. They went with Rayshon Slater in real life. Rayshon Slater long gone off the board. Oh, man, I just missed out on Penny Sewell right there. But I think they're going to be okay with this other pick. Go J.C. Horn, the cornerback yeah. for South Carolina. You mentioned he went a lot higher in the real draft. He went number eight overall to Carolina. He had a fantastic season before he got hurt, man. He yep. looked like the real deal, and corner was very much on the board for the Chargers. And I think that certainly looking at their drafts 
right now as we're looking at mock draft, you, it, whether it's first round, second round, somewhere in the top 100, I see a lot of Chargers fans doing mocks trying to get a corner in there. And so instead, you know, you throw J.C. Horn's name in there. Maybe you don't have Asante Samuel then, but I mean, sticking with it, I think that's the theme. That's what they would need. And if you're subbing out one starter, adding another, J.C. Horn's a good guy to swap Asante Samuel with. So I'll go J.C. Horn here at number 13. Yeah, I like it. And I think what's cool about this redraft is you're seeing a lot of us previewing what teams should attack this year early in the draft. When you look at the Chargers getting J.C. Horn, Chargers should be early on corners this year, and that's going to be a theme of this redraft here. All right, so for the Jets at 14, they trade up to this spot, got Elijah Vera Tucker, had a phenomenal rookie season, was honestly one of their best overall players, not just rookies. Surprisingly, though, going to switch this pick, and it's almost a coin flip, but kind of just want to show a different perspective to Jets fans. Going Creed Humphrey in this spot, who was one of the best, maybe best interior offensive linemen in the entire NFL this year, not just out of rookies. So you get your center of the future here if you're the Jets. You can kick McGovern over to guard. Uh, It would have, obviously, a pretty good ripple effect. As great as AVT was, I think this is an interesting scenario. Humphrey, obviously, super clean pass protector. Really good run blocker, especially in a scheme where you, you got you got to get guys on the move, and that's what the Jets are going to do a lot under LaFleur. So Humphrey was a late second-round pick. Uh, he had no business making it out of the first round. Right. Yeah. I mean, he was he was phenomenal. He was rock solid, man. He was. Yeah, I thought I, – I really did. I like Creed Humphrey a lot. Obviously, he exceeded even my expectations coming in, starting right away, playing as many snaps as he did for the pass-happy Kansas City Chiefs, man. The team's all about offense, and he – he was able to step into such a crucial situation. So Elijah Vera Tucker, you, you said it. You know, he had a fantastic year this year. He's going decently high still in this region. Yeah, he's but, not going to uh, be on the board very long. Right, 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 right. So uh, New England Patriots up at number 15. They picked Mac Jones. They got Mac Jones at 15. Mac Jones well off the board here. We'll go Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith was a guy who was commonly mocked to the New yeah. England Patriots a lot before draft weekend. And, you know, if not for an early wide receiver run, I think this could have been certainly in play. So they weren't exactly sure where Mac Jones is going. Remember, the rumors were Mac Jones might have been going as high as number three overall to the Niners before it ended up ultimately being Trey Lance. And so, you know, if there was a reality, even not this one here on this podcast, where Mac Jones goes number three, uh, we maybe don't get the wide receiver run that we initially thought, and hell, he could have been the real pick at number 15. So this one actually makes a lot of sense because they certainly need a wide receiver like him, but also it could have happened in real life had Mac Jones not been there. So I think this one makes sense in a lot of ways. I'm going to go with Devontae Smith, wide receiver from Alabama, at number 15 for the New England Patriots. It goes with the theme again. Patriots first round, got to be looking at wide receiver this year. Maybe, maybe one doesn't yes. fall to them. Uh, but if one does, yeah, obviously, they, they have a void there. Even after spending some money there, they still need a guy. And Devontae would have been uh, the guy in that offense. Obviously, they're really happy with the way things worked out with Mac. Speaking of happy, or maybe not so happy, the Arizona Cardinals, a lot of weird things coming out with Kyler Murray. I think it's all going to smooth over in the long run. But there is clearly something bizarre going on there. The relationship between the team and the quarterback, Chris Mortensen, had a a couple interesting nuggets that he dropped on the Super Bowl Sunday timeline. Imagine him waking up on Super Bowl Sunday and, like, your team that's not in the game, there's, like, not so good news coming around. Dude, <laughs> coming it, around. It was like, it, I don't know why these guys picked Super Bowl Sunday to have a news drop, but, like, it, you mentioned the Kyler Murray news comes out, and then everybody's like, oh, yeah, Tom Brady might not, like, fully be retired. And I'm like, like what What are we, why? Why didn't you guys wait till like, tomorrow? Why didn't you wait till Monday? We got hit with Kyler Murray's not happy and and it's a finger pointer. 
We got hit with Tom Brady's probably not actually done, TBD. <laughs> and then the game had to be played. I, I don't know, dude. It's just <laughs> had it really to be played. It, very bizarre. Very, very bizarre. So here we are sitting here late Sunday night redrafting and having fun with it. So let's make Kyler Murray happy again and get him an offensive lineman. They took Zayvon Collins in this spot. Um, you know, you can say what you want about that pick. I'm going to go with Elijah Vera Tucker here, who okay. was an incredible run blocker. Pass pro was just okay. And I think that'll get better in the long run. I think Arizona just needs to get better on the interior of their offensive line. I don't think it's any good. Uh, I think they are a team that could benefit from getting better as a run blocking unit for Kyler. And I think AVT would step in right there and, and help him out. And I think that's something they're going to have to look into this offseason is once again getting Kyler more help to to help him out, make him satisfied in the long run right now. Yeah, uh, we've got the Las Vegas Raiders up now at number 17. Now, this one's tough, right? Because, You're sticking with Leatherwood. Uh, <laughs> no, uh, this is this one's so tough because it's like, it's not even fair, right? The, the, the whole the whole redraft exercise is a little bit fluid anyways, right? I mean, we joked at the top that we have these kind of cop-outs in our back pocket, but yeah. you know, you're talking about like, okay, well, are you how much are you drafting for them actually on draft night? Or what what needs what needs are you taking to effect? The needs on draft night back then or the needs that they have now? The Raiders have a new head coach, new GM. The secondary is out of here. Henry Ruggs doesn't exist. Like, it's just, it's just a mess. So it, it, I, it, it's hard to even stay within the parameters of reality from what we even saw this year from the Raiders when we talk about redrafting here. But as it stands, Connor, they need secondary help. And Javon Holland, the safety from Miami, was a steal in the second round and truly awesome one of the player. best rookies that we saw this past season. So I think people would probably argue, okay, the Raiders need corner help more than they need safety help, but just secondary in general, man. They need so much secondary help. Javon Holland is a damn good football player. He helps them out in that regard. And, you know, when you are so depleted at both safety and corner, I know that they 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 have a steal in Nate Hobbs, but – when you are so depleted everywhere in the secondary, just draft good players, figure it out, just fill in the dots. Like, don't, don't be like, okay, well, corner's more important than safety because the whole group has to work together. Whole group has to work together. So pick the players that you think are going to be the best. Revisionist history here, Javon Holland, unreal rookie season. He would be the pick for the Raiders if, if I had to make the pick today. So I love uh, it. With him at 17. Yeah, I love it. He stood out, you know, on film all the time for Miami. He was, he was just absolutely great. Um, so when you look at it, yeah, they, they, I think they got a really good one in Trayvon Merrig later on in this draft. But like you said, you need to remake the entire secondary. Uh, what impressed me the most with Holland was how, you know, versatile and interchangeable he was. You could play him down the slot. You could use him as a blitzer. You could play him in too deep. So Holland would be such a nice fit for the Raiders and really form a, a good tandem on the back end there. So I like the thought process there. I what my favorite thing about what this redraft Trevor is getting players in the first round that did not go in the first round. Like, yeah, it's fun to talk about like Sewell here, Chase there, you know, the quarterbacks, but I think this is where it gets really fun. You just had Holland getting in the first round. Now the dolphins are on the clock at 18. I'm going to have them take Trey Smith who was drafted in the sixth round, which is insane. Now, obviously with Trey Smith, there was some lingering medical question marks that everybody is well aware of from his time at Tennessee. Uh, Miami's offensive line is a disaster. I know it's going to be a focal point for Mike McDaniel. They are going to try to be a very, very run-heavy, run-first kind of team. 
You look at Trey Smith, who was very good for the Chiefs this year. He's a bully in the run game. I I don't know if he would go in the first round. You know, obviously, just knowing what we know on tape, because once again, the questions were usually mostly medical, but the sixth round was just insane. Uh, he was one of the best 32 rookies in the NFL last year. Yes. That's my thought process yes. here. Yes. And look at the offensive lineman off the board already. Humphrey's off the board. ABT's off the board. Sewell's off the board. Slater's off the board. This is the next guy up. I love it. I love that you're getting him in here. He absolutely deserves to be in here. I was wondering how high he was going to go. I wondered if we were going to sneak him into the back end of the first round, but I don't hate this at all. Trey Smith has been unbelievable this past season. But, you know, playing along a good offensive line in Kansas yeah, City. Right? Helps a lot. Creed Humphrey is there. Orlando Brown is there. Joe Tooney is there, right? Like, it's a good offensive line that he's playing with, but he is one of the really nice pieces that they have in Kansas City. And so I'm glad that you got him in here. Uh, I, I didn't know if he'd go this early, but I, I, I like the spot, man. I really do, especially for the Dolphins that desperately need offensive lines. So when you tell Dolphins fans who passed up Penny Sewell at number six that they're coming away with Micah Parsons and Trey Smith, uh, come on. I mean, That's they got to they, they be pretty happy. Volleyball. Now, Washington football team up at number 19. I can't have them pick a quarterback. There's not one available. I'm not picking Davis Mills. Do not even bring that up. I'm not doing it. I'm not picking Davis Mills. Um, they went linebacker Jamie Davis. From Kentucky, I think Jaden Davis struggled, but we we knew he was going to struggle, right? Because this was an uber athletic linebacker who we figured was going to just take his lumps his rookie season. And I think that he definitely yeah. did. I'm going to redraft them, Jeremiah Uwusu Koromoa, though. I'm going to give him oh, another yeah. linebacker, a different kind of linebacker, more versatile linebacker. And I think that Uwusu Koromoa showed a lot of really good flashes this year. Now, this is kind of this like almost tweener player that we weren't sure exactly what to do with. Like, he's, is he a Kyle Duggar type? Like, is he, is he an Isaiah Simmons type? Like, where's his real home, right? Because you don't want to be this uh, jack-of-all-trades master of none, right? You get lost in the NFL if you don't really have a home position that you can build off of. But Awusha Cormo, I think, showed that he can have a home position at linebacker, that he can find his space here, and you can get versatile with him from there. So I think that with – the Washington football team wanting to emphasize speed with Jamin Davis, you still get that with Uwusu Koromoa. You just get more production with it. So I'm going to go JLK here at number 19 for Washington. I, I mean, I love it. I thought he was tremendous this year. And I just think that Washington obviously went into the strap with the thought of we want speed up front at the linebacker position. And we're going to take Jamin Davis and we're going to deal with his speed bumps in order to do that, and we think when our front four is healthy, it's going to keep him clean to run sideline to sideline. And it obviously was not a great rookie season, uh, while Owusu Koromoa was a value pick for the Browns in the second round. and just ran all over the field. I mean, truly ran around making plays, can cover, uh, can do it all. So I think he should have been a top 20 pick, and here he is. All right, 20 before we recap and then move yep. into the end of the draft here. The Giants are on the clock. They took Kadarius Tony here bizarre rookie season for Kadarius Tony. He had, uh, I mean, problems with his cleats in camp where he couldn't, it was hard to get him on the practice field. Then he was hurt. Then he looked like a superstar for a couple games. And then he was hurt again and missed the rest of the year. So it's kind of hard to go. Well, I definitely wouldn't take Kadarius Tony in the spot because when he was on the field, there were some wild flashes where he was tremendous with the ball in his hands, but it just wasn't enough so I am going to look at pass rush here, and I like that they got Azizo Jalari in the second round. Yep. In this redraft, they will not be afforded that opportunity. So I'm going to go Jalen Phillips here. Remember the Dolphins at 18 went Trey Smith. Uh -huh. Jalen Phillips still on the board. Giants again. You're always going to hear 
George Karloftis and Jermaine Johnson and names like that connected to them in this next draft. So in this draft, we get somebody that really did flash and came on towards the end of the year in Jalen Phillips for their for their defensive front. All right, there we go. All right, recapping 11 through 20 in this. I like this group a lot. 2021 redraft. Dude, I do too. I think that I, I'm having a blast with this exercise, man. This is a lot of fun giving these guys some props here. Chicago Bears getting Trey Lance. Penny Sewell going 12 to the Dallas Cowboys. JC Horn going 13 to the Los Angeles Chargers. Jets getting Creed Humphrey at 14. Patriots getting Devontae Smith. Elijah Vera Tucker going to the Cardinals at 16. Raiders getting Javon Holland at 17. Trey Smith. Going 18, I love it, to the Miami Dolphins. Uh, Washington football team going Jeremiah Uwusu-Koromoa. And then Connor just had the New York Giants taking Jalen Phillips. Man, this is a fun exercise. I love doing these. This, this is so fantastic. You get to it, – it, it's it's the what if. It's the imagination all over again. I'm having a blast doing this. So we've got the uh, picks 21 through 32 coming up. But got to remind you guys that up until February 14th, so you only got a couple of days left. You can get 25% off any PFF subscription, any Edge or Elite, if you use the promo code SUPER25. That is SUPER25. You get to unlock all the premium content that's showcasing all the big premium stats that we have over at PFF. You get the draft guide. You get the fantasy football guide. You get access to all the premier betting tools, all that kinds of stuff, and so much more. You can look up the premium stats yourself when you get that unlimited elite subscription. So check it out, man. Check out what an edge and an elite subscription is over at PFF if you have not done that yet. There is something for every type of football fan. If you are more into the numbers, we've got you there. If you're more into the X's and O's, we've got premium articles for you there. Betting tools, like I said, the draft, fantasy football, everything, man. Check it out. I guarantee that you'll find a deal that you like. Use the promo code SUPER25. Get yourself 25% off a subscription, whatever it is. 21, Indianapolis Colts. They went Quiddy Pay, which I didn't hate. I still don't hate. I think Quiddy Pay is going to be good. But I think there is a player that has stood out at the same position a little bit more, and that is Odefe Owe, who went to the Baltimore Ravens a lot later in the first round. I'm going to have him going number 21 here to the Indianapolis Colts. Just so much athleticism, right? And the, the yeah. big question mark with Odefe Owe was he didn't have that backfield production that you wanted to see with a player who was as athletically gifted as he was and it was kind of just like okay well can this guy not figure it out when pass rushing is he not going to be able to get home early enough and I think that he silenced a lot of those critics especially early on in the year with how well he was able to play and just show that the second he kind of plop was plopped on an NFL field he was not overwhelmed athletically he belonged there and, and I think that we're only going to see him get better from here on out so really great start for Odafeo's career um formerly known as Jason O.A., before he changed kind of what he wanted to go by, by his, um, I believe his birth name, uh, Odefe. So Odefe O.A., not going to the Ravens in this one, instead going to the Indianapolis Colts at number 21. Yeah, so nice jump into round one for O.A., and I'm going to do the same thing here uh, for Elijah Moore, going at 22 to the Tennessee Titans, a round two jump into round one. They took Caleb Farley in this spot. I look at the Titans, and I, I constantly preach this, why they got bounced in the playoffs and why they had some problems this year. Uh, considering they were a one seed, crazy to say. They never had continuity at the wide receiver position, and I'm not making an excuse for Tannehill, who has his own problems, but with Julio Jones always banged up, A.J. Brown missing a lot of time, it felt like they were just short at the position or continuity of the position, and with Elijah Moore in this spot, I think it gives you insurance for when Julio is done, where, and uh, A.J. Brown and Elijah Moore are best friends. I think there's something cool to that. It plays into that, knowing that they'd be a tandem from Ole Miss to there. I love it. But I, I think they complement each other really well. Uh, Moore is a vertical guy that could stretch the field. He can also work underneath and run after the catch. A.J. Brown, contested catch threat. So, for the Titans here, I, I didn't 
mind the Julio trade. I totally get it. I don't think Julio's washed or done by any stretch of the means. Uh, but I think they need more, and, and they need somebody that, you know, I think that three-wide receiver set, and then when Julio eventually is done, knowing you have more in Brown, this offense really could have been clicking. This next pick for the Minnesota Vikings at number 23, they took Christian Darisaw, which I, I wouldn't be a bad pick, I don't think. I, I like Darisaw's film. Um, he just didn't play a lot his rookie year. He was hurt. Yeah. And Connor and I were kind of talking about before we started the podcast, that was a worry with what a lot of people had. You know, you hate tagging guys as like injury prone or really like throwing that in there because football is a violent game. Like anybody can get hurt at any time. But a lot of people felt like Darisaw might be a guy who battles through injuries throughout his career. Like he was just, that's kind of been his thing. And I, there was just a lot of, there was a lot of whispers that injury was going to be something that he had to deal with. And it wasn't great that that also reared its head his rookie season. So I still have faith in Darisaw. I certainly hope that he's has a long and healthy career. I think he's really talented. Um, I heard the, the the term dancing bear multiple times for him when he yeah. talked about like how athletic yet how big this dude was. So I hope that he has a fantastic and healthy career, but I am switching this up. When you look at the Vikings cornerback room as it stands right now, Patrick Peterson, Xavier Woods, Mac Alexander, Cam Dantzler. That's about it. Okay. Peterson's probably gone. Xavier Woods is gone. Mac Alexander's probably gone, right? So I'm going to go with Asante Samuel. I think Asante Samuel had a good year for the Los Angeles Chargers. I think he was a gem of a pick for them uh, as a non-first-round pick. I think he was able to step in and play really well. I think that everybody was just kind of afraid because they looked at Asante Samuel's height and they looked at his measurables. And they looked at his game tape. And I think that when you look at Asante Samuel and you go, okay, he's small. He can play in the slot. He don't play in the slot. He's never played in the slot. He's been an outside cornerback his entire career. So you go, okay, well, now he, he, doesn't, he doesn't have a lot of experience in the slot. So are we really about to draft a really short outside corner? But he was good, man. I thought that he proved that he could hang a little bit in the NFL. And I think he's only going to get better as the game speed kind of gets more familiar to him. Uh, he's got those natural instincts. He's got that name. You know where it comes from. So I think that he's still good. He deserves to be a first-round pick and redraft. And uh, Minnesota desperately needs a corner that they can lean on. So I'm going to have him go to Minnesota 23. Yeah, two interceptions this year, uh, 11 passes broken up. I'm a believer in Samuel's future. And I think that you're right. The Minnesota corner room needs to be rebuilt. So it would have been nice to get a little bit of a jump on it as much as we are excited to see what Darisol could do for the future of that offensive line. All right, moving on to the Steelers. This is going to be a same pick, and some people might be shocked to hear that. Running back round one. I am shocked not, to hear that. Not my favorite strategy, but <sighs> Najee Harris, man, he is somebody I truly think in a kind of in like a Derrick Henry-ish mold that you can just build your offense around at the position, give him a workhorse load, uh, obviously use him as a pass catcher. He's a good pass protector. I I'm not going to rethink this pick. I think he is a rare case of a guy, and it was the end of round one, that warrants being a round one running back because he is three phases of the position, runner, pass catcher, pass protector. He is the perfect Pittsburgh Steeler. He is tough. He plays at a in a totally different way, and he is going to be a young quarterback's best friend the next couple years, whoever they take, whoever they restart that franchise. And they'll be really happy to have him. And honestly, Trevor, it's nobody I really care enough in this spot to take over him at this mm -hmm. point of the draft. There was no one where I was like, oh, well, I got to I gotta right. do that. I right. got to do that. Right. Like, there's no offensive lineman. That was the big thing for me. There was no offensive lineman I loved in this spot. So 
Uh, Najee stays in Pittsburgh. You know, this is officially it's it's PFF podcast, so I don't know if you're allowed to do that, but I won't report you. I won't report you to the bosses. I'll give me a dip. I want a different pick then if somebody has one. That's my argument. Okay. All right. So, yeah, if you're listening to this podcast and you desperately think the Steelers should pick somebody else, let us know. Hit us up on Twitter. Hit us up in the comments. Let us know. That's Don't say uh, Davis Mills. Oh, uh, well, look, if somebody's compelled. <laughs> no, pick, no, 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 no. If somebody is compelled to make the Davis Mills argument, I want to see it in the comments. Uh, Give it to us right. on YouTube or tweet at us uh, at Tampa Bay Trey, at Connor J. Rogers. Jacksonville up at number 25 again. I picked for them at the very top. I went with uh, Trevor Lawrence. That didn't change there. Travis Etienne is still on the board, but I'm not taking Travis Etienne. Mm-hmm. Instead, I am actually taking the player that the Jaguars would have selected had the Giants not taken him a few picks earlier. I'm going to give him Kadarius Tony. They needed wide receiver help then. They need wide receiver help now. And even though Kadarius Tony, with him kind of staying, like just getting him on the field has been a little bit of a journey during his time with the New York Giants. When he has been on the field, when they have emphasized him, he's proven that he moves it a different gear. This is what we had in his scouting report coming into the 2021 NFL draft. And we saw flashes of that, man. We've got multiple 100-yard games from some takeover performances, some instances where you line him up against the wrong defender and he just makes him look stupid. So I think it needs to be a full rebuild of what the Jaguars have along or within their receiver room. But Kadarius Tony would be a great mismatch kind of a player to get in there right away. So I'm going to go with Kadarius Tony at 25. Uh, with Tony and Chenault, they'd have two gadget guys that that'll give you 30 yards a game each. This is a great. Uh... <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. New staff, uh, man. Doug Peterson <laughs> will figure it out. I think he I actually really think that would be a nice fit and, and would have helped Trevor along the way. All right. 26, the Cleveland Browns here. They went Greg Newsom, obviously a player that I think was universally liked in the draft world and, and a pick that made a ton of sense to the Browns. No knocking that. But I will go with a different direction in Amon Ross St. Brown, the wide receiver for the Lions that just had a great rookie year, especially down the stretch at the end of the year, somehow fell in the draft to later on in day two. And I just, man, I I think when you go through the need at wide receiver in the NFL right now, and he went in the fourth round, I stand corrected, not day two. I thought he went in the end of the third round. I mean, Trevor, on the Lions with Jared Goff, and sometimes without Jared Goff, this guy had over 900 yards as a rookie, 90 catches and five touchdowns. That is just, and it's really how he finished the year. When you look at those last four games, 90, 91, 111, 109 yards, a touchdown in every single one of those last four games. Lions won two of those four games, which is, that's good. That's big, that's big for the Lions. He was a huge part of that. Uh, he was a, He's a first round player in this redraft. There's no way around it. And when yep. you look at the Browns, another team that's in the Garrett Wilson, Alave, I don't think Drake London will be there, but Drake London, Jahan Dotson, they're in that conversation again for this draft. This pick would have knocked that out because you'd go into next year, you got rid of Odell, but you go into next year at St. Brown and go, we feel really good about this guy for a long time. Yep, and I think that he'd be a great wide receiver for Baker. I, I agree with you there. And yeah, with great the, point. With fit. Yeah. I, I think that, that, would, that that's one that I really like. Ravens keeping the wide receiver train going. This one happened in real life, and I like the fit so much. I, I can't argue that I still can't. Rashad Bateman. If Rashad Bateman doesn't get hurt, I think that we are talking about him going a lot higher in this draft. I really do. So I still think that he's the right pick for the Ravens here, even with the guys that are left on the board. 
Ravens could go a number of different directions, but he feels like the type of wide receiver that Lamar Jackson really needs outside of the tight end passing game. He is the kind of guy that they need. I feel like he could play all three levels of the field. He could play outside. He could play in the slot. Like he's just a really damn good, reliable wide receiver who gives you really nice athleticism as well. I think that Rashad Bateman's a total package. He was the right pick for the Ravens at the time. And I still believe he would be the right pick for the Ravens if he was here at number 27, especially with the board, the way that it is. I had the Ravens, um, Oh, no, we didn't have the Ravens pick twice yet. I was I was getting confused because I had Odafe Oa go at number 21. This is the first of the Ravens' two picks. We got another one coming up at 30. But as for this one here at 27, I like Rashad Bateman continuing to stay in Baltimore. All right, next up uh, is the New Orleans Saints. Obviously, the wide receiver run is long gone, so that's not an option for them. They took Peyton Turner in this spot. Obviously, that pick did not pay off. Uh, you know, instant dividends. He only played five games. He had one sack. It was not a rookie season that you will want to remember. I will go with Aziz Ojolari here. Uh, I thought Ojolari was around one player last year. He did not get selected in the first round. He had eight sacks. I will caution that they aren't the, not eight of the most impressive sacks you'll ever see. But at the end of the day, I mean, there's a couple where he's either unblocked or they're cleanup sacks, but he still had eight sacks and he still played. And he was still productive. And he was a hell of a lot better than Peyton Turner. So Azizo Jalari at 28 to the Saints to give them that pass rush help. Obviously, you know, they have Cam Jordan there who is an Iron Man. Unbelievable. But they want to get a little younger on that front. If they can keep Marcus Davenport for the long term remains to be seen. But they obviously went to this draft knowing we need more, we need more, we need more. Turner was a reach. Ojalari, in my opinion, would have been a better pick. We make that fix here. Man, speaking of need more, how about that transition right there? You also said that the wide receiver room wasn't what you wanted to be for the Saints at 28. Well, I got news for you. I'm picking wide receiver at 29 for the Packers. Rondale Moore is on the board, and this was a combination I loved even before the draft last year. I was a big Rondell Moore guy, and I thought about getting Rondell Moore in the first round. I wasn't sure if the NFL was going to do it. They ultimately did not do it. But think about it, man. Rondell Moore getting to be in that offense with Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams, that's the kind of player they needed. That's the kind of player that they drafted Amari Rodgers much later in the draft. But can you imagine them plopping Rondell Moore in that spot instead and just allowing him to you know, manufacture short targets or whatever it is, man? I think Rondell Moore thrives with Aaron Rodgers. I think he would have had a phenomenal rookie season. Uh, if he could have stayed healthy. And so, man, I I, I, I did so many mock drafts with Ronnie Moore going to the Green Bay Packers at the end of the first round. It only feels right for me to do it here in the redraft. I've still got faith that Ronnie Moore can be a fantastic offensive weapon. We saw that uh, during the preseason. We saw some flashes of it in the regular season, although um, Cliff Kingsbury's offense, it's uh, odd oddly structured i don't like i I just i i'll I'll leave it at that it just kind of is a it's its own unique thing and so i I like the idea of ron l morgan in a different spot him with aaron Rodgers. i think they have a ball at the time so 29 ron l more green bay packers all right 30 looking at the bills here they went greg rousseau from miami he had four sacks i'm gonna go quitty pay here who also had four sacks it's just a different type of player i think with rousseau he's gonna win more with length where Pay is going to win with more explosiveness. And I watch the Bills' defense and go, man, I wish they had a guy on that front that was just very, very explosive, that was just an athlete that's just going to you know, work the outside rush, that can counter inside with quickness. And I don't think – this is kind of a wash in terms of their rookie output, but 
I didn't want to just run it back with Rousseau again. Sure. Pay went at 21 to the Colts in the real draft. He's still on the board here. I actually think he'd be a better fit for them. And it's not you're not knocking the Bills because he wasn't on the board when they picked here. So they didn't have a choice. Uh, but in this situation, I actually love the fact that Pay falls into their lap. And I think he would have a really successful career in Buffalo in that defense under uh, Sean McDermott. Well, we don't have to wait for Greg Rousseau to then come off the board because I'm going to have him go here 31 with the Baltimore Ravens. You mentioned how much Greg Rousseau can win with length and how versatile he could be along the defensive line. I feel like that fits right into what the Baltimore Ravens love to do with how multiple they like to be, where they like to align guys, how they get to, they get creative with their defensive line. Uh, I had them, you know, Odefe Owe was the pick uh, in real life. He went number 21 to the Indianapolis Colts a little bit earlier in this redraft here. And so with Rousseau landing here, I like this spot, man. I like him along this defensive line. He still gives you that good athleticism. He gives you that uniqueness with that build that he has. And I thought he had a good rookie year. I really did. I thought he was, I'm, I was glad that he was able to get on the field. I feel like as much as he was able to, and I think Baltimore would have been a good spot for him as well. So we don't have to wait too long for him to come off the board. It's one pick later. It's Baltimore here at number 31. All right, to close out the redraft, your Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Take 32. Taking it home right here. They went Joe Tryon. I uh, really like how the long-term outlook is for Joe Tryon. Yeah. To give you a different look here, Caleb Farley's still on the board. Obviously, an extensive injury history, right? An extensive knee injury history in college and then the back problems. And then he tears his ACL as a rookie in week six. With that being said, if any team can afford the frustrating early speed bumps of Caleb Farley and mm. maybe reap high-end rewards later, it is the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You often alluded that they are potentially facing a, a loss at corner. A lot of players walking in free agency, and they will have to replenish that unit under Todd Bowles. Farley will be ready to go for 2022. If he's on the field, he's going to be a really, really good player. And I think, obviously, a Todd Bowles corner. Long can run with recovery speed, can play the ball in the air, has every kind of trait he wants in an outside corner. So instead of Joe Tryon, who once again, I think when he plays more, you're going to see a lot more production. We'll go with Farley in this spot. You're, th you're, you're thinking future with both these picks. They weren't yeah. going to make an impact on last year's Bucks team. Yeah, I mean, I don't hate it. Uh, for as much as I think that Tryon's going to be have a really great future in Tampa Bay, I really do. I mean, I think that Caleb Farley is really talented. He's my corner one um, going into last year's class, even over guys like J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan. So I really loved Farley. I loved what he could be when he was on the field. If he's healthy, I think he's a great pick for him, especially going into next year where Carlton Davis, Jamel Dean, and Sean Murphy Bunting could all be free agents at the same time. You probably can't bring all of them back, even if you wanted to. Getting Farley, that's definitely a, a revisionist pick looking at how things are right now, but it would set up perfectly for them. So uh, so I like it. There we go. That is the recap redraft of the 2021 NFL draft. That was a lot of fun. I enjoyed that, man. As the season has come to a close, as the final game has been played, as the Rams have been crowned Super Bowl champions, that season is in the books. 2021-2022 season has been in the books, and I, I thought that that was a really cool exercise to give some props to some players who have played really yeah. well one year in the league. I think so, too. I think it, it makes you look back at guys that outperform their draft slot uh, maybe highlight guys that have a lot of work to do this year, right? Like we talked about that at the top, like with Trevor Lawrence and Zach Wilson to warrant those top two picks, it's got to be better this year. And then you look at other, you know, even other guys that started to fall in this draft, like you highlighted it perfectly. Like Saban Collins, Alex Leatherwood, Jamin Davis, you know, they didn't even make the draft at all. Right. And they were yeah. top 20 picks. So an interesting exercise. And this is the kind of stuff that we love to 
love to look at an interesting time of drafting. I mean, we just had a team like the Rams that didn't care about draft picks and went all in to win with <laughs> veterans. And then you have a, t- a team they played in the Bengals that are all draft, right? And, and then some middle-tier free agency signings. So uh, we like to paint the picture for every single team, and I think this did a good job of that. Yeah, you mentioned a couple of them there, but the guys who actually went in the first round that we didn't get here in this redraft, Zayvon Collins, Alex Leatherwood, Jamin Davis, Christian Derrissaw, Travis Etienne, Peyton Turner, Eric Stokes, and uh, Tryon Show- Shoyinka were the guys that – um, we didn't get in here. Boy, I, I just thought of this as you said it right there as we kind of close out this podcast. Rams winning the Super Bowl is kind of bad for business for us, isn't it? Because it was, <laughs> this is a draft podcast, and uh, they basically just said, screw the draft picks. Uh, we don't we don't need them to win a Super Bowl. Yeah, it, it, I thought that too right away. I mean, they took 2-2 Atwell and still won the Super Bowl. They took oh. 2-2 Atwell at 55, and they won a Super Bowl. That tells me like you could do, any, you could do anything wrong in the draft, and you can win a Super Bowl. So... I mean, no, no, I, it's, there's a lot of ways to win. I'm not believing it. I'm not believing it. Listen to the podcast. If you want your team to be good, you gotta listen to the podcast. The Rams got lucky. The Bills should have been there anyways. The Bills should have won the been Super Bowl there. this year. They should have been there. But uh, everybody already yelled at me on Twitter for that. Uh, appreciate it. I saw guys. you you throw that grenade on the timeline at a very odd time. I was like, what is he? Is he just asking for harassment right now? Listen, man, we were like, we were like seven minutes left in the game. Where did you watch the Super so Bowl? So we were peak stuff? boredom. I was in my apartment. I actually like okay. watching the, 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 the Super Bowl. So I was just Me too. I don't go out for it. Yeah. Um, so we were, it was, it was like peak lull time, right? We had the very first play of the first half, which was the bomb touchdown. And then the very next play after that's an interception. And it was absolutely nothing after that. So if you take those two throws out, then these were two teams that did an absolutely abysmal job with halftime adjustments, doing anything to get the upper hand on the other team. It was just, it was terrible. And I was watching this game and I was like, <sighs> The Bills would easily beat both these teams. And I just, you know, it was an emotional tweet. I pressed send. I tried it, you know. I've, I've tried to think that I've matured a little bit. But I also meant it. I meant it. Should have been the Bills. Should have been the Bills. And you know what? If it was the Bills, we could have sat here and talked about, hey, that's why you draft good. And instead, we got to sit here and say, hey, trade away all that's your That's why you trade every pick. None of these <laughs> mock drafts. Even... None of these mock drafts matter. They'll just all be traded for Von Miller Odell Beckham will be signed. You name it. I'm redacting. I'm redacting your your these mock drafts don't matter statement. We still got to pay our bills out here. We got rent to uh, do in a couple of weeks. All right, everybody. Thank you so much for listening and watching the podcast. It's a Monday, which means we got back-to-back episodes. We got another yeah. one coming up for you on Tuesday. It's going to be filled with a lot of different segments, a lot of things that we're going to be introducing to you guys, the podcast listeners, the audience for the first time. Very, very excited about it. We'll see you guys then.